Before we begin the episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Chin Up Goggles, the new generation of vision training. Its simplistic design eliminates downward vision, improving a player's spatial awareness, anticipation, skill acquisition and execution. The findings have been supported by scientific research in CIT, now MTU. Be sure to visit chinupgoggles.com for more. Welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 75, I am delighted to be joined with me, latest 2021 All Ireland winning defensive coach Shane Wall. In this episode, we discuss his coaching career, how three Baldwin class men helped lead ladies to victory, making disciplined over default decisions, defensive coaching, and so much more. Shane, thanks a million for joining me on the podcast. Hi, Orla. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Before we get into everything, would you mind giving a slight elevator pitch to the listeners and the coaches who don't know who you are? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, Shane Wall is my name, and I'm a coach with the Mead Ladies. Um, currently, a coach with the Mead Ladies. Um, so, we were successful last year in the, in the All Ireland, and uh, I suppose that's my, my claim to fame at the moment. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm a Wicklow man originally um, from Baltinglass and uh, yeah, I just, that's about, that's about me, I suppose, in a nutshell. Very good. Uh, there's a couple of years from me, from uh, Wicklow in the Mead set up. How does, uh, how does that happen? I tell you, to be honest, um, there's a full-time coach in Wicklow and he's the head coach of Mead. He's originally a Mead man. His name is Paul Garrigan. He's yeah. an old cat, but um, he would have moved to Baltinglass Oh, I suppose 10, 15 years ago. And um, yeah, he's really involved in football and he was involved in our ladies team. And he made connections with uh, Eamon Murray, who would have been overall the underage uh, mead teams. And uh, yeah, Eamon, when Eamon was going for the mead job, then he got in touch with Paul and Paul would have been a club mate of mine and he would have been my last manager. And I would have, when I finished playing, he would have... Um, asked me to get involved with him in our club in Baltinglass and then he would have brought me up to me with him then when he went in with Eamon. Very good. At what stage in your playing career did you realise that you wanted to be a coach or, and how did that happen? Oh, very late. It's, uh, to be honest now, I, I, got, I got injured at the um, at the end of my career and it kind of just on with me then, I suppose. Um, you know, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> I don't think I ever had a real mad burning ambition to be a coach, to be perfectly honest. But okay. like it, it, it grew on me now, to be honest. Um, yeah, and, and saying that now, I would have been helping out with our club teams and stuff like that when I when I was still playing. Yeah. But to get to to get to um, a really serious level, it would, probably wouldn't have been a burning ambition or anything in my, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And why do you coach then? And why did you did you kind of? pursue that and become you know a coach in a very high level when you didn't particularly maybe have an ambition all the time to do that yeah it really just grew on me and year by year you know it kind of it it, it took over and it got more infectious it's and addictive it is yeah it is and and you know obviously like I, I love me football and and it, it's as I learned as I got older like there's so much more to, than just playing with, with football and it's a great social outlet mm-hmm. and uh, like Paul would have been my one of my really good friends. He's the head coach up in Mead. 
And when he asked me to go in, you know, like it, it, it was just such a good opportunity, both socially and from a football perspective, and to 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 the challenge of working with um, such a good team and with a new challenge of working with ladies. You know, it just it kind of snowballed from that, from just uh, helping out to you know, like getting to a really serious level. Yeah, how do you find uh, being involved in a female setup? coming from the men's side of the game what do you what did you make of it particularly maybe at the beginning at the beginning I was so nervous to be honest with you like uh, it, you probably don't think realise this but your coach is probably thinking you know like a room full of 30 girls 19 like <laughs> you would be kind of nervous to begin with yeah. but uh, uh, yeah I have to, to, to I heard you asking the question before about the differences between like um uh, men's and ladies side but I, ha- I have to say like the meat girls are so uh, they're so good natured and so welcoming like um, they really put you at ease I have to say Has, has your playing career ever ever impacted your, your coaching style or, or like for example if you were giving a player feedback or if something happened you would be able to enter the kind of the mindset of a player as you were a player before I'd say it has now just, just when you mentioned that like it was just we're deep into kind of physical running now and, and there's a couple of players like that wouldn't be natural athletes if you get me yeah I, I've been a natural athlete either I would have found all the training and the physical work especially really difficult the aerobic stuff and you know I kind of have that empathy for those players and and, and uh, definitely you know I can I can I can sense when they're when they're hurting and when it's when it's tough on them yeah um so from that point of view yeah there would there would be things and, and even you pick up things from from your own playing career like that you can bring into um bring into the setups like I remember in my last year when I was playing and um, we used to push up from kick out like we, we were trying to play a sweeper but we used to try and push up so um we'd be always pushing up a line and I remember trying to bring that in the first year and me and it was changed so much since then but yeah yeah like th- that would have been the first year I was there we would have tried that little tactic very good how did you be- become a defensive coach and how do you find it watching other teams? Are you are you going to a game to enjoy it, or do you find yourself slipping into that coaching mindset of look at what they're doing? Can I rob something here, maybe? Um, how did I become a defensive coach? That that's a good question because I was a I was a forward, not a very good one. <laughs> I was a forward, and um, I tell you, originally now I, I I actually came. I did a year coaching with Paul, our head coach in in um, Balding Glass, and I was doing like performance analysis, and from. From that, um, like that, when I originally went up to me, it would have been mainly that. Okay. I would have performance analysis up there. Like I did a couple of courses. I did one in UUJ and uh, I did another one through the GA. And uh, like I really focused on that at the start. But I, as time went on, Paul said, listen, I can get somebody else to do stats, but I really need somebody uh, to help me with the coaching. Yeah. So he just asked me, which would you prefer to do? Would you prefer to do um, the forwards or the backs? And I just thought, like, I don't know why I thought it was easier because it's not, probably, <laughs> I thought it might be easier to do, do, the, do the backs. Uh, I think there's more structure in backs. Okay, yeah. Like like it's um, in our forwards, I know Mick Bone even said it, like our our, our, um, our defence is very structured but our attack is, is, is a bit chaotic and a bit mayhem and there is that like with forwards that you give them that kind of uh, freedom to attack and that kind of um, you know, carefree abandon. Yeah, but our backs were very are more structured, I suppose, and coaching backs is kind of more structured. So, um, yeah, I just thought that that might be a an easier route to go. Yeah, is it 
at the intercounty game at the moment, both male and female structures have come in a lot, and everybody like it's cliche now with the basketball plays. But how much is it down, maybe as a percentage, to a structured game plan versus flair? And you just like, for example, you give me the ball and I just do something with it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I suppose you can't really put a percentage on something like, or it's very difficult to put a percentage on something. And and a lot of the time, the answers are like. In, in the grey area so like obviously there's there, there is so much um, there is so much structure involved in, in, in the gameplays and stuff like that but you can't underestimate like being able to play off the cuff like yeah. and, and being able to be put in any kind of situation um, in a game and to be able to perform the skills uh, under pressure and like all that constant decision making game intelligence you know that there's, there's always going to be a place for that no matter how structured your game gets uh you know like they're they're the players and 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 the people that that will unlock the game and, and and of course they're great to watch and make the game what it is too so i think there's always going to be a place for that do you think you can teach that uh, is it something that as coaches you can tailor your session towards that teaching players how to be off the cuff and different scenarios or is it just something innate that they have I think again a bit of a mix you can't you can't I definitely think all the skills you can coach mm-hmm. so let's say like you might look at a player and you say oh he's, he's, he can turn either way or whatever but he's probably he's probably very much practiced like his left and his right all his way through um, so you can definitely coach the skills so from that point of view, you can you can make uh, certain magic moments easier if you get me. Yeah. So like, if you have a brilliant skill set. Obviously, like magic moments are going to come easier to you. Um. So from that point of view, yeah, you, 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 you could coach that. But there is there is that thing like an imagine an imagination. If you get me, like yeah, great players like the Gooch or whatever. They they nearly know what they're going to do before the ball comes to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I, I think I I think. The more times you put people in in game situations and and uh, you know like it, 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 in those situations where they have to use those 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 skills and the more times you create that environment, mm-hmm. I think it kind of encourages players to be more creative. Yeah, Do you know. What I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Um, I actually asked a couple of people there for questions, and Joe had a really interesting one. He wanted to know how much time uh, do you do you spend on playing games and training from small sided to, to full pitch? Oh, we, we, we did a lot of small sided games now, to be honest. Um, I would say now, last year was kind of a condensed season with, the, with COVID and that, but oh, I would say nearly, nearly every session or at least three quarters of the sessions we, we, we played small sided games. Okay. We, we, we'd have different conditions and different rules on them. But uh, yeah, we were, we were big into our games. It's just the the whole thing of practicing your skills and then kind of including that decision making. The small mm-hmm. city brilliant for that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of skills, uh, it's been nearly a constant question on the podcast. You probably know it, but what is the most uh, underrated skill or attribute in the game at the moment? <sighs> underrated. Um... I thought I, I, I was listening to Hannah on your podcast the other day, and she she really um, made a good point about in-step kicking. Mm. You know, that is something that uh, I think the ladies' game in general needs to work on, and me and and all the top teams. You know, like uh, I still think there's a bit of a, a tendency to punt kick if you get me. Yeah. In the but uh, 
yeah, if it, it, it's it's a skill that that needs to be developed. Um, but like like even even just looking at our car game, say um in the semi final, like I went through our turnovers and 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 the reason behind them, and you know like some of them were very basic skill mistakes. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't do enough uh, skill development, and um, even even the basics just to be able to open up the two sides of the field, which are which with both sides and. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to have all those skills in in the basic skills in your in your repertoire, like it, it, it just makes the game so much easier. Mm-hmm. Something I've come across with the podcast and with chatting to intercounty players and other elite athletes outside of the podcast is the mindset that they have. Uh, can you can you speak a little bit about that mindset and give us an insight into what it takes? It put aside in the putting aside the physical attributes, but the mindset that it requires to be an elite level player. Yeah, I'd say like you're obviously, well, our group are hugely driven Um, they're very dedicated and they're very much uh, self-conscious of taking their own uh, destiny into their hands. Um, I heard the phrase before, like uh, point the thumb and not the finger so they know like, you know, they're they're in charge of 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 their mindset and, and being being in control of that all the time. Um, I think I think there's also a thing, and I heard it before, I can't remember who the guy was. I think it was, it was on John Sullivan's podcast. I think his name was Tim Kite, and he talked about, like, um, he talked about, like, players have this kind of decision uh, to make, and, and it's either above the line or below the line. He called it default or discipline. So, like, all, all your decisions are either default or discipline. Yeah. And so, like, uh, default was was easy, and it was um, it was like you know like if, if I'm sitting on the on the couch, you know, will I do my stretching? No, I'll have a bar of chocolate instead, or I watch the telly, or you know. But discipline was right. Okay, I need to do my stretching now, or I need to do my uh, gym work, or I need to have uh, a good snack instead of just making something easy. And he said like the top the top players are constantly uh, picking the discipline decisions, and and over the course of time. Uh, the accumulation of all those uh, discipline decisions—that's uh, what—that's what makes you uh, an elite player. I love that, and I love that different the way he described it—the default and the discipline. That's really clever, and you're an absolute pro. I was just about to ask you what separates the good players from the great, but you, you have it already. Um, I want to ask you a bit about. In Mark actually submitted a really good question. You wanted to know, and because you're a defensive coach, how do you approach? the sessions in terms of do you split into forwards and backs and you do a designated session with the backs or how does that work um we when it, when it comes to like there'll be certain parts of of the uh session like we'd split up so like uh, uh maybe we might do some kick out work i take the backs and maybe our goalie or um a lot of the time we just ran in backs and forwards we, we okay. that was really something we we worked a lot on in training and, and, and getting our shape right and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, t- I take the backs and and uh, there'll be probably maybe 12, 15 backs, I suppose, or something like that. We'd split the midfielders between us and um, we'd work on all the teams then we wanted to do with our backs then. Okay. And how do you improve um, the individual players in a group of, let's say, a panel of 35? How do you find the balance of helping somebody 
for example, I'm just picking a name off the top of my head, Vicky Wall improves something specific versus the team environment? Well, we, we have regular one-to-ones and we'd, um, we kind of have a, I've heard it called different things, but like, was an individual performance plan. I think I've heard it called that, but yeah. we'd have, um, we'd have different, all, all the components of, of a player or whatever. Um, and, and we, we'd say, we just have a chat about where, where we think the girls need to improve. Um, where they where they can get the help from and, and, and what they can do to improve to get say like from a seven out of ten in one category up to a, a nine out of ten, um. So yeah, that's that's what we do individually. Like we 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 pull them aside and and, and it's been zooms the last couple of years, but before that it would have been um we would have met after training whatever and okay there's things to work on. Okay, very good. Um, and as a team, do you focus more on your strengths or weaknesses when you're looking to improve? Oh, our strengths or weaknesses. Um, I think we're very much a team to concentrate in our own game. But yeah, no, we, I, I, there, there'll probably be a fair balance there, actually. When I think like when we're going from game to game, we, we, we'd, we'd, we'd often work on the stuff uh, that didn't go well in the previous game. But there, there'd be a fair bit of like, oh, this is what we're good at. Let's perfect it as well. Like, you know, there, there'd be okay. a nice balance. Okay, very good. Because I was wondering, like, it's it's funny. Some teams would, our coaches would speak about focusing on their their weaknesses, and then it's like, oh well, their strengths are falling down because they're completely focusing on one area without focusing on the other. No, I I have to say now, you know, like we kind of built it layer by layer when we're going from game to game. Like we very much take it like, what did we not do well last week? Yeah. Uh, what are we expecting next week? And then like um you know, trying to correct the things we didn't do well yeah. and trying to work on the stuff then that we wanted to perfect for the next game. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, is there much player feedback in terms of um, you giving player feedback, obviously in an individual point of view, but them submitting, let's say, post-game reviews are becoming very popular. Is that something that you guys do with the team? Yeah, we nearly always start the training. The next night after a match, we'd probably just do a quick review and uh, we'd open it up if anyone had any... Um, any, any feedback we would probably say like what went well what didn't what didn't go well what can we do better stuff like that so yeah after every match we'd have a little little discussion before training wouldn't be okay. for long yeah okay and do you have a leadership group with the girls or is that something you've stayed away from we did last year yeah I and mean, we're going to this year as well yeah so we, we would have about five players uh, involved in the leadership group and uh, yeah they would work together okay and is that nominated by you or did the players select the, the members uh, we, yeah we uh, do you know what I think we we definitely had our captain and vice captain I think they might have helped even though I think we well, no do you know what it was definitely us actually in the end we decided in the girls yeah okay okay very yeah. good there might have been a bit of chat oh what do you think of A, B or C but no it was it was, it was the management decision alright uh, yeah uh, I think was it last February everyone I think I heard this famous thing about you doing all everyone was doing their individual runs obviously but in the depths of lockdown when everyone's on their Zoom calls if I told you that you were going to win the Division 2 league and the All-Ireland Senior Championship what would you have said to me? I would have said you were mad really to be honest um, yeah it's, it's still it's hard to believe now even even months later and um, doesn't really it doesn't really feel like it actually happened i don't know when it, <laughs> but it was just such a meteoric rise and you know 
just came, I'm not going to say out of nowhere because I thought we were improving steady every year. Mm-hmm. But the last jump would say like from intermediate to senior, like I thought we improved, say, bit by bit in intermediate. And I thought it might take the same length. Um, so it took us like three years to win intermediate. I, I thought it might take the same length then when we got to senior to, to be competitive. Um, I, I, I never thought there was any uh, skill issues or I, I never thought like, oh, this is, this is absolutely impossible. But the speed, the speed in which they did it, the speed in which they improved, like over the course of a year, like just kind of took me back. And every game I was just thinking like, oh, like, are we going to, are we going to be brought back down to earth every game? But it just, and it was, it was, it was fantastic in that sense because you just never knew what was going to happen every game. Yeah. Do you know what were asking me like oh will you beat Cork and or would you just beat Dublin and I, I hadn't I just kept saying like I haven't a clue like I don't I haven't that's just the way it was like it was just a meteoric rise and we just kept meeting different levels higher levels that we only dreamed about playing yeah and we just played really well and kept improving like I we played Dublin like in a challenge uh say what would have been November uh, so November, like say 15 months ago or 14 months ago or whatever. So when we're coming to the end, intermediate um, season and they absolutely hammered us. Like they, we couldn't get the ball kicked out to them. And, uh, like I remember Emma Duggan's father was at the match and he, he asked me like, what, what, what was the score at halftime? And like, I, I completely lost count. Like it was, <laughs> we were about down at halftime. And then, like I, I had that in my head, like going into the match, and you know, like, is it is this actually possible? Like that you can, okay, up that that difference in one year. Um, but there you go, you can, you yeah. can if you. What was the biggest difference then to come back from that challenge game? What was the major evolution that occurred in ten months, nine months, even? To put your finger on one one thing, um, I definitely think. Uh, there was there was there was never any skill issues, you know what I mean. So like it wasn't like you know uh, you're trying to do something impossible, yeah. you know what I mean. Sometimes teams just don't have the footballers or don't have the, the the skill levels to compete at a really like a really really high level. But even even in that challenge game, you know, we were absolutely hammered. I knew there wasn't any skill issues, and we we said that actually in our post game review that like you know we, we we didn't feel there was a skill issue or that they were doing things with the ball that we could never do. Yeah, it was it was more just operating at a higher level, a higher pace, and yeah, and just uh, I suppose probably some strength issues and 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 physical issues rather than than okay issues. If you get me, yeah. we take we made changes to our our system and our tactics now, and uh, they probably tighten us up. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And when you're going through, like you spoke about there, the three years it took to win intermediate. And I know before you got involved, there was a couple of big losses for me. Um, how do you keep a large squad motivated? Like, for example, the girls that aren't on the match day panel that are on kind of, you know, the low 20s, high, um, 30 number of the panel. How do you keep them motivated at, at, at that level when they're committing so much of their life to, to football? I think we always try to make the, the point that... Um, Everyone was equal, and um, you know we always treated everybody uh, uh, as much the same as we could. If you get me, and, and uh, I know every player is different, and it's it's a different key to unlock every every door. But at the same time, like from our point of view, from a management point of view, managing the players, you know we 
we try to give equal opportunities. Like for example, like we're, when we played challenge matches at the start of last year or whatever, or maybe the year before, like we'd we'd have the teams evenly split and we try and give everyone the, nearly to the minute the exact same uh, game time as much as we could. And you know, we always emphasised that everyone was was really important to to the squad. Like, and even though you mightn't be on the field, like you were really uh, like we needed everybody and everybody was important. And just because let's say Vicky or Dougie might be able to kick it over from 35 yards from the sideline or with their back. You know, like it didn't, it didn't make them any better person uh, or any more important to the group than, than Mm -hmm. they, whoever was number 35 or, Mm -hmm. yeah. I I think it was this, it was, I think it was Annie Moran's book or I was listening to a podcast with someone and it was, they were a player and they spoke about the, the players that let's say just got time in, in training and didn't get match day you know, time on, on match day and they spoke about how those players were the ones that, that drove on the match day panel. So for example, when you mention Vicky and Emma, it's the girl that's marking them or pushing them at training that I think um, from what I've heard is the reason why they're that good. So it's not just this two man two woman show, it's the the seventh or the twenty seventh member in the team that's pushing pushing Vicky to, to give her the season that she's just given. I think I think everyone was genuinely like We'll say like if you if somebody else was playing in your position, I, I felt like people were were doing their best to make um, whoever was in their p- position their life easier, or you know they, they give them their full support or their mm-hmm. full, and you know there's a real sense of camaraderie that way. That everyone was just delighted for everyone that was playing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and was that something that was already there in the team, or did you have to help create that and develop that? I I, I feel like. Um, you know, when I'm talking to the players, they, they often say like they were, they were craving like an environment. Uh, they say a professional environment, obviously it's an amateur sport, but like a, a, like a well set up or a good, sorry, a good set up um, or a well-run set up. And they really craved that before we arrived. And when they got it, like, I think they were really thankful for it. Okay. And, you know, like they, they have a lot of supports, like in all aspects of the game, like they're obviously their diet, Nutrition, their SNC, their aerobic work, um, psychology, uh, there's just so many aspects like that 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 their supports there for them. And I think they were crazy that. And when they got that, they were really appreciative of it. Um and yeah, the, the, just the fact that it helped their games, you know, like we were there to to support them and 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 to serve them almost. And um they they, they really respected that. I have to say, and even Going back in, to the point about the difference between lads and and, and 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 ladies football or whatever, speaking as somebody who was a very thick-headed twenty-year-old uh, <laughs> uh, or whatever, um, you know, like I, I I I thought it was incredible the way the girls dealt with all the losses. Like um, you know, like I, I I could be driving up after one of the losses and I'd be thinking, oh god, you know, like you know, will they lose faith or will they? Uh, well, they, you know, think oh, somebody else should be in charge or that A, B or C was the problem or, you know, point fingers or whatever. But you, you couldn't believe, you really couldn't believe the positive attitude when you'd arrive up after um, a loss. It was like it was it was like nothing ever happened. And and, right. and that, that wasn't the way when when I was playing uh, like lads football or any lads teams I've been involved in. You know, like you could tell lads would be down after a loss, but I never got that with me, really. Never got that. And that was 
that, that's a testament to them. And maybe it's just that group. I don't know. But um, yeah, they, 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 are, they took it in their stride. I think the losses, the losses made them as well. And they, yeah. and they, they recognised, you know, like after every every loss, uh, they improved. And, 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 and it, it made the team what it is. And, um, you know, that uh, on the High Performance podcast, you know, the, yeah. the one wolf, and he said, what did he say? He said, um, today we lose is the day our competitors regret. Yeah. And, uh, it, 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 it kind of summed us up in a lot of ways. Like, you know, every time we lost, it, uh, we banked it and uh, we improved on it and it made us a better team. And I think in the end, it nearly gets to the stage where, you know, like, well, okay, if we lose the match, we lose the match. We're going to get better. And and there's there's almost a sense that you're not afraid to lose them. And you yeah. can play those off and, and that kind of abandon. Um, and you always play your best football in when, you, when, when you're in that kind of flow state, that when you throw the shackles off and have a go. Exactly. Speaking of the professional environment uh, and diet, where did the Spice Bags idea come from? Who who was that? Is that is not that is not a part that is not a part of the the dieting fishing plan. Our goalkeeping coach um, last year, Paddy Dowling, um, he loved the spice bag on the way home and uh, there'd be uh, just when I said earlier we play a lot of backs and forwards, so there would have been a lot of spice bags riding on the who'd win the backs and forwards. They're very competitive, more competitive nearly with the management than <laughs> Brilliant. Um, you did speak about the losses there, uh, and there was an article. I think it was Emma Troy mentioned it, but she spoke about the the um the rocks that you gave the girls, the individual rocks, and uh, before the final, you gave everyone a pebble. Can you explain that analogy for people who, who haven't heard that story? Yeah. So, like, I think, I think um, we would have handed out, or it was it was Paul's um brainchild, but he he would have handed out um. A different shaped rock at the start. I would say three years previous in the journey, like a, a bigger rock, and the rock kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, as as the challenges went up, and then you know, like it's harder. It's obviously harder to crack the smaller rock. So yeah. when we got to the the last challenge, that was the, the smallest rock, and if we cracked that, that was that was it. Then you know, brilliant. Um, in terms of you mentioned the time commitments there for players, but for management, can you give us a bit of an insight into what it is like as an intercounty manager in terms of the amount of effort and time that goes into it. Yeah, it is. It's pretty brutal now, to be honest. It's you really want to love it. and uh, you'd want to love your football and even travelling from Wicklow to Mead is, is quite a trick. Um you could be getting home late at night. I remember people in Mead probably won't appreciate this story, but I was coming back from Mead and it was really late. I, I was by myself. I wasn't travelling with Paul, uh, Paul that night. It could have been during COVID actually or maybe something like that, but I was traveling by myself anyway, and it was, I'd say it could have been after 12 o'clock at night, and I wasn't far away from home, and a guard stopped me, and he said, um, it was it was close to where I live, it was only about 10 miles up the road here, and he said, um, oh, where, are you, where are you coming from? And I said, I was up in Mead, training a team, and he kind of looked suspiciously at me, like, you know, like this, uh, week it's well as dodgy. Yeah, it's, it's well <laughs> And he said, uh, where are you from? And I said, no, I'm from Wicklow, just from the road there in Baltimore. He's getting even more suspicious now. And he just kind of put his head in and he said, are you telling me now that it's gone that bad in me that you had to get people from Wicklow to any? <laughs> but um, yeah, it is. It's 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 quite time consuming. And even like before the All-Ireland, like 
I'd set the alarm. I'd, I'd say I did three weeks at like five o'clock in the morning, like getting all my work done before work. Jesus. And, uh, yeah. So I like to be, I, I like to be in the state and we all do. I think all the management, we all like to be in the state coming up to the week that we have everything fully covered and we know mm-hmm. what we need. Yeah, and a lot of the girls actually spoke about that. But I wanted to briefly mention the court game. Uh, I yeah. remember watching the game, and I was sitting on the sofa, and there was a couple of minutes left, and they just announced Ian Scali as player of the match. Uh, yeah. I think I think that was it. And I remember kind of being like, "Oh, the game's over. It's a Dublin court final or whatever." And uh, can you just describe the last like sixty seconds and what actually went through your head on the sideline? I had all my stuff packed up. I was ready to back the professionals and all. Like I was, I was, I, I thought we'd last. Like obviously, my, um, yeah, it was just insane. Like it's, it's, it's like something you'd read, like in a book, or like you know, or you'd see in a film or something. Like seven points down with two and a half minutes left or two minutes left, and um, we, we really struggled to get the ball or get possession of the ball. And then when we when we just got one turnover, it kind of it kind of spiraled from that, and it just it just escalated so quickly, like into like a scenario, and we just kind of carried it on into extra time then as well. It was it was insane, like it was once in a lifetime stuff. Like or you could live ten lifetimes and you wouldn't you wouldn't be involved in a match like that. Any like even at under sevens or under, <laughs> like you'd never be involved in something like that. Seven points down, two minutes to go, and you turn it around. And can you describe the dressing room after you win the game and you go back in? And even from the management perspective, what what was that like? Oh, it was insane. We were going absolutely crazy, <laughs> jumping around the place. Just couldn't believe we're in a final. Like, and it was just so hard to believe. Like from where we came from to 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 where we were, like competing against Dublin, and even thinking back, like to that challenge match where they absolutely annihilated us. Like, you thinking like a year on that we'd be competing against them mm-hmm. in, a, in a senior final like was was uh, just bizarre really really hard to explain by the time you got home uh, and got settled in after the, the court game how do you approach the final how do you as a management team look to the the couple of weeks ahead how do you structure it where did you start i suppose we kind of looked at um um, we'll say like what Cork did well against us because Cork, Cork had us on the back foot for like an awful lot of the game um, and we were looking at the things they did well and presuming like you know like Dublin would do a lot of those things and we, we, we tried to work on those things uh, trying to counteract those and, and obviously like we we, we 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 had seen a lot of Dublin like every team has and we re- kept a really close eye on them and, and, and what they were doing and, and just how they operate as a management team as well, and so we re- we we knew a lot about Dublin prior to the match, and um, all the work we did on them like was kind of specific for the game. But we already had a bank of information on them, and like we we, we target we we had a lot of information on, on players and and fed that information to the girls. And I think it was about a week after. Uh, the car game we knew we knew exactly what we wanted to do and what we needed to practice in training and uh, we had a good training weekend and we went through an awful lot of that in the training weekend I think that might have been maybe I can't remember was it the week before probably was the week before the weekend before so we did or maybe it was two weekends before but we did a lot of our um, what we wanted to do in that training weekend and so yeah it was, it was a mix of what taking the learnings from the car match and then what we were expecting from Dublin and how to 
manage uh, the best we could. Can you share a couple of the things um, that you did and adapt to and kind of go into the Dublin game? Like, how did you set up for them and how did you kind of preempt what they were going to do? I have to say, I have to say now a lot. Like, even even though like we we knew what Dublin were going to bring and we, we talked about what Dublin were going to bring, we we're very much a team that likes to focus on ourselves and getting our own shop in order. And you know, like when I say it, we took the learnings from the Cork game, it was it was it was very much you know like oh well we're looking at ourselves here now. We're we're trying to improve ourselves uh, to get to a new standard, to get to a, a higher level for ourselves. If you get me, mm-hmm. then oh being totally bogged down with like uh you know we need to change our game to, to match Dublin's or to counteract Dublin's like there, was, there wasn't a hell of a lot of that it was it was more so uh like improving our game and um, obviously we would have had information on players and like you know like a basic like a, a basic example would be um Hannah Terrell kicks with her left and you know like you'd have a profile on every player and, and mm-hmm. what they're and stuff like that but at the same time that's that's only information that the players kind of bank it rather than it wouldn't change the way we play if you get me yeah yeah i know what you mean um one of the things i was really impressed with i think jerome uh, jerome quinn had a clip from i think it was up in the top of the hogan but was the press on the kick out and i was delighted to have you on because i wanted to ask you a bit about that what was the thinking and the preparation like in terms of kira's kickouts and the focus of, of for that game Actually, I have to say, like, I would have, I would have, uh, I would have watched a lot of videos, and I have to say, like, I was so impressed with Kira. Like, so I, it, it, it certainly wasn't going after Kira, if you get me. And mm-hmm. I, I think anyone that's been uh, watching us playing the last couple of years know that we're we're, we're uh, aggressive with, with with the opposition kickouts. You know, we, we do like to take chances. You know, we're, we, we'll throw caution to the wind when yeah. we think. Is, is appropriate and 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 that's been the same for 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 every opposition that that you know we've we we love to press a, a kick out and okay. specific to Carla mm. and even though obviously we scored the goal off um off one of our kickouts you know there was there was probably only about I can only remember three kickouts that 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 probably the our press disrupted them if you get me okay but I suppose that's all it takes. Like when you win the ball that way up the field, you know, and you have such a good chance of of scoring or or at least getting a shot off or an attack, you know. Yeah, I had a couple of uh, sources. I won't reveal them, but they were talking about how they were instructed or they heard um, that they were shouting Kira's name on the kickouts. Can you explain where you got that from? Oh, God, I, that would that would be probably one of the girls come up themselves. To be honest. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't have been telling them to shout. Through it. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a new one to me now. Yeah. I, I have to say this now that you mention it. Like um, the girls, like let's say Paul was Paul was wearing Ferna and Eamon obviously was banished over, and the two the two guys were on the line, and uh, like you, you're so redundant there. Like only for the water breaks, like you literally like it's nearly impossible to get onto the field. Yeah. Uh, so loud. And that's one of the things we learned as the years went on. Like, we'd say the first year we were in Crow Park, like, you, you can't believe, like, t- 10 meters away, and especially in the ladies' day, because there's so many kids there and yeah. screams, you know, the screams. So, like, you're 15 meters away and you can't, you can't hear, like, the, the like, who's shouting. Like, <laughs> with anybody. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it would have been, I'd say after that Tyrone game, we put, would have put a, a, a big, 
um, focus on the players managing the games themselves. Okay. Um, so, like, our interaction with them was absolutely minimal. Like, you know, like, we would have given them a few instructions uh, at the water break. And obviously, the half time, we would have given them quite a lot of information of where they were at, etc. Yeah. But um, the on field management, like, was, 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 uh, purely down to the guards and all the way they set up for defending and kickouts attacking we have no input in that we don't we don't say you stand here you stand there it's it's, it's, it's the guards that are deciding that okay and um, another example i didn't know they were shouting here but there you <laughs> there you go uh how do you find the water breaks actually as a coach would you like to see them stay i i don't know if it's confirmed for this year i, I can't remember but would you like to see them become a part of um Gaelic football they're very beneficial for the coaches i think yeah and it, after saying the example there, like you literally can't talk to anybody like in Crawl Park on that on that day, like it's impossible to get a message in. And um, from that point of view, yeah, it's great to get the girls even for five minutes to to, to get some instructions um, across. But I have to say, when when me was over, I went I, I went back to being a supporter and going to games like I love doing, and um, you know watching games like it, it did kind of take the sting out of it, you yeah. know. When, yeah. But it's a coach's dream, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Um, with the preparation for the final, I think it could have been Emma again. I can't remember who, but they spoke about, um, I think it was the week before the final, there was a presentation done on being an underdog. What was the yeah. approach as the group to being in the underdog? And give us a bit of insight into that that presentation. Yeah, I remember um, having a conversation with the lads. Like, you know, we, re- we obviously knew we were massive underdogs. And we started off the year, like, as, as if not probably the rank outsider in, in the competition just up from intermediate but um like we had a list of of like we, we came up with like a lot of outsiders like it was leicester city um leicester city obviously winning the premier league there was the miracle on ice and there was um oh, there was 10 or 12 examples like of huge odds like overcoming the odds yeah and winning 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 tournaments like just just from the point of view that it was possible and and another another point we made was like you know like even though we we'll say Naomi Ozaki was was a big outsider the first major she won you know like two weeks later she she was she was one of the favorites for for the next tournament she played in so like it's it's a perception yeah from the outside world rather than the reality like she, she wasn't one one week she wasn't uh, 500 to one shot the next week she was one of the favorites you know what I mean like the, the reality was that you know she had a good chance in, in both tournaments it's just that people didn't realize it at the time yeah yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, in terms of nerves, you had obviously been in intermediate finals, but for yourself, even what was it like going into a senior final? Um, I was, I probably wasn't too. I, I think Crow Park can be quite daunting. So we were very lucky in that we played like the the couple of uh, intermediate finals, and we had uh, the national league final and the semi final as well. So we played quite a bit in Crow Park. I, I think the girls were really. I, I don't. I didn't feel any nerves, and even in the warm up, I would have been running a warm up, and uh, you know, I, I kind of got the sense they were, you know, they were comfortable enough and happy enough. And I suppose when you're that much of an underdog, it probably helps as well. Like you're under no pressure. Like we were really just happy to be there, and you know, like competing with Dublin was was a dream twelve months ago. And like when you're there, then and you're actually doing it, like like what's what's there to be afraid of? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way of looking at it. Um, how do you structure your, your warm-up out of interest, just as you mentioned it there? Is there any anything particular you would do, particularly on a match day? 
Um, we're kind of spicing it up a small bit now this year, but last year we would have done uh, what would we do? Uh, Eugene Evers is our SNC coach, so he'd do all the athletic preparation. Um, he does like kind of uh, sprint work, and um, then he would send them over to us, and we would do some uh, small sided games before the match. So we try and get all the, the limbs going and, and the skills. We try and practice all the skills during our on-site games and conditions on them. And then uh, we probably just do a shooting exercise, something like that, to just before the, the, the throwing. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe actually had a question. He wanted to know uh, what sort of influence Eugene had on the, the squad's development. Like you even mentioned there, um, competing with Dublin 15 months ago the biggest thing you saw was maybe strength that maybe was the weakness rather than skills Eugene is, is very professional and he's, he's uh, very knowledgeable and he's, he's he's a master at what he does um, he's a real perfectionist too and even just then, just thinking about him there a couple of weeks ago he, he was telling me we were in Ashburn and we were doing a session and uh, he said there was a couple of the lads came into the gym afterwards and they're doing their gym, their gym session and he said he just looked over and there was one lad and he was like had his knee all in the wrong position he said he just couldn't let it go you know <laughs> he said no you need to pull this like this right Brilliant. and I was talking he said yeah that's Eugene Ari. he's a real <laughs> when in the final during the game um, what, what's your role on match day in particular we, we, we I've often done the Marifarna um Last year I was in the stand and, and you'd be taking your notes. Like we'd say at halftime, like we might uh, split up as well uh, into backs and forwards. But this this is what we were doing. We could uh, we changed from year to year and we like okay. up and 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 keep uh, keep kind of um, keep fr- keep it fresh if you get me. Mm-hmm. But uh, last year, yeah, we would have split into backs and forwards, and uh, so I'd have all my notes or I would like be keeping my notes about what what we can do better and what we need to do in, in, in the next half or whatever. But of all that, um, roll out and all the backs come over to me at halftime for five minutes and then they go back for the main speech and they get their information, etc. Um but yeah I've done the marathon as well, but uh I have a dodgy knee now so I probably I'm probably <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a bit of an insight into the dressing room at half time during the final? What was the what was the messages going through the group? What was the emotions like in the dressing room? Um, it was very, um, it was very calm. I have to say, and you know, like I, I always, even though my heart to be pounding, like I try to keep keep calm myself. Uh, calmness is kind of contagious, so you don't want to. Love that. You don't want to. You don't want to go start going crazy, even if you are going crazy <laughs> inside. You don't want to spread that to the players. But yeah. now I, we just I, I like I, like I said, like I have all my messages already so it's just a matter of delivering those messages mm-hmm. and uh, now the girls will be like really focused and there will never be to never be shouting or roaring or table banging uh, like Paul would usually do the main speech and or he'd always do the main speech and he's um, he's very composed you wouldn't catch him losing the rag nearly I don't think I've ever seen him really losing the rag he's very mm-hmm. much giving giving information and uh you know, getting the message across rather than banging tables and shouting rubbish. Like there, there, yeah. there, uh, there's a there's a message there that he's always given. If you get me, when did you realize you had won the game? At at what point did you say, right, we have this? Oh, not till the last. Uh, I I just 
I'm, I'm a kind of pessimist. I think I'm a bit of a pessimist. <laughs> I, never, I never count my chickens before they hatch. And even just that car game, sure, you couldn't after that either. You know what I mean? Like, so quick to turn around. So it was, about, it was about 30 seconds to go, I'd say. And we had possession. And I knew I knew we were capable of just holding it for 30 seconds, you know, so you could and the countdown was so automatic in the ladies' game. Yeah. Uh, I was counting down the seconds. And with 10 seconds to go, I just completely... Oh, I was shouting. I, I, I really did. There was, there was no calmness or no composure. <laughs> sure, I completely lost it then. But actually, true as God, I actually fainted for a second or two. Did you? I did. Yeah, I did. I was beside the FLO and my arm around her, and I, I was obviously screaming. I, I can't ever remember screaming as as, as like, <laughs> just completely went blank. Had stars and like, just kind of shuddered, and thankfully came around before I, I hit the ground. <laughs> Yeah, very good. After all the celebrations, there was actually a really good clip. Was it the night of the final after he's won in the hotel with the crowds outside? Have you analysed the, the game as a group yet? Have you have you sat down and kind of looked at it or is it left yeah. in 2021? No, we have we, we, we closed off 2021 uh before Christmas. Okay. We were a review of, of where where we were and um one of the other coaches mark mark brennan carlo man he, he did a really really good review of um, where we wanted to go what we were last year and where we wanted to go and 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 set it out in stone like you know what we wanted to or sorry set it out in stone what happened last year and and then paul would have came along then said it last week and said what what we wanted to do now this year going forward okay and is it mentioned in the group setting maybe during a session that you know about 2021 and being the all-ireland champions or is that just a new season new and fresh sheet here oh no it's it's not really it's not really mentioned now too much i have to say very much um very much looking forward i don't you just don't have time to be like you don't have time to just keep moving you know what i mean yeah Um, like there's so many like challenges in your face every single uh every single week like you know like three sessions or four sessions whatever the girls are doing and you know we're so busy preparing you just you don't have time to sit down and, and admire but I, I actually did at christmas uh i got a chance to look at the game and and just kind of relive what happened but after that like uh, i haven't even I, I haven't even thought about 2021 to be honest i don't think any of the girls have either okay and what's it like going into 2022? It's completely flipped now. You know, last year you were the underdogs, but now you're you're the target on the back. You're the, the pack yeah, is now chasing you. Yeah, big time. And a whole new set of challenges. But, you know, like we've had new challenges every year. And, and it's really like new challenges are brilliant. And, you know, like everyone wants new challenges. And, and just that feeling you get from, uh, you know, like being a novice. Like we're a novice at, at being a champion, if you get me. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, been champions we 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 don't uh we don't know what that fe- we've never been senior champions like we don't know what that feeling is like we don't know what uh threats or opportunities or anything like that and then you know like you do it's great to be a novice again because you learn so much do you know what i mean you're in that mind frame when, when you think oh when you're not sure of yourself or when you're not uh sure your surroundings or whatever you're, you're so conscious of, like wanting to learn quickly do you know what i mean and it, it keeps you out of that comfort zone 
Brilliant. I love that term. I've, I've written down a couple, a couple of notes here beside me. I'm going to ask you for a coaching book or podcast recommendation. Someone actually said, stop asking people for podcast recommendations because they won't listen to your show, but you can throw in whatever you think. No, I, I, I like your one, to be honest. I give you a pl- big plug there. Thanks, William. What uh, <laughs> um, other ones do I listen to? Um, I like The Way of Champions with, with, with John Sullivan. Okay. That's a really good one. Um, I just think he's really right. And I, and I coach a lot of kids, uh, teams in the club. Um, and I always have done done that for 10 years. Odd. So, um, yeah, I, I just found him really, 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 he's uh, easy to listen to, but he's very insightful, very sharp. And he covers like, you know, like kid stuff. Plus he'd cover like uh you know, elite level stuff as well. And it's 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 just a really good podcast to, to listen to for all things coaching. How do you find moving from the, like that's two completely different levels, kids and, yeah. and senior championship, but yeah. how, do you, how do you find coaching between the two? I I, I, I love coaching. And I, even how I got into coaching was like, um, uh, would have been the games manager in Wicklow was, was uh, my coach underage and I would have played with him then. He asked me to get involved with him, and we just had a we just had a great time. Hugh Kenny is his name. He's he's, he's the, he's the uh, games manager in Wicklow, and we would coach plenty of underage teams together, and we just had great crack. You know, like it was so, it was so enjoyable. I suppose that when you were asking me earlier, I suppose that was probably a, a big a big reason why I kept coaching or why I got into coaching is is, is that I had such an enjoyable first experience with him. I think it's really important, especially when you're starting off, that you, that you have a, a mentor. So he was he's the games manager in Wickdon. He was he's a genius with activities and stuff like that. Um, but also that you have your friends around. So I would have gone on well with you and, 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 and we um would have been good pals or whatever. So like uh, from that point of view, like uh, you know, I always enjoyed going up there or giving volunteering my time. Yeah. Because like you're, you're, you there's a social aspect to it too, you know. Yeah, exactly. If there's any new coaches or, or younger coaches listening, what what advice would you give them? Never. Oh, this is probably borrowing Callum Nally's. All the stuff. All the stuff I'm saying is very borrowed. Bar- bar- <laughs> uh, I know you. You call him on, didn't you? I had him on. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah. He he always says, "Don't pass up an opportunity, to coach." And I think that's a really good one. Um, you know, like uh, every time you coach, you learn something. But I, I suppose it's the same in every walk of life. You know, like you never regret doing. Very rarely regret actually doing something. You know, like. Uh, like coaching or, or or any kind of activity that involves your friends or or or, or a pastime, you know, you very rarely regret uh, giving up your time for for something like that. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to move on to the sideline seven. It's the same Ooh. seven questions at the end of every episode. You've had loads of time to think of yours, so I have big expectations now. Uh, question one: What is your favorite quote? <laughs> okay, I I have heard this this. I don't think it originated with Mickey Hart, but I heard Mickey Hart used it. And it's um, yeah, right. Commitment, uh, commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do, long after the mood leaves you. Wow. So, um, I I find you know like, and it's it's, it's especially appropriate at this uh, this time of year. Like everyone has the same dream, you know. Like I'm going to make my squad. I'm going to make the team. I'm going to play really well, and you know I'm going to do all my S and C. I'm going to be the best version of myself, and I'm going to be, you know, like this is going to be the best year ever, but 
even though everyone has that dream, as the year goes on, it kind of wanes. And I find that, that you know, like the, the people that are uh, the elite players or the, or the very successful players, um, they're really, they really, they stick true to that. You know, like they don't, they don't like the dreams. They don't, they don't shake off the dreams after two or three weeks or when things get hard or when things get tough, they really, um, they really commit to something. You know what I mean? That's a brilliant first answer. I'm now really lining you up for a second one. But out of interest, do you use quotes much with the girls or is that something you don't really look at? Um, I think I've used that with the girls before. Um, that that particular quote. I, you would, like, we picked up loads of things and we we, we might, like, um, we're there so long. We, we've done so much, I suppose. We nearly <laughs> have covered this, but... Um, yeah, we, we uh, there would have been times if we take extracts or stuff like that. I remember now just when we were talking about like um, the girls in the on-field management. I, I don't know, do you know Fergus Connolly? I do. Yeah, yeah. Game changer, and that was on his book. But um, he 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 had um, he had some really interesting thoughts on 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 players taking ownership and how it was essential, and and we would have shared a lot of stuff that Fergus was 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 saying with them, and I. I think we recognise pretty quickly, like the, you know, like our, our role in the big games, etc. Like it, it, it had to shift to the players managing it and the players having like taking responsibility. And uh, because it's not a game of chess, you know. Yeah. So many different combinations and, and variations on a football field. Like you can't say, "I'll oh, move your leg left," and or you have to step. You can't move from this spot, or you have to move. If the ball moves here, you move here. You know, like there's so many such a change in sport and or, you know the girls really have to take responsibility of, of how they play and how they manage the situations and how they set up mm-hmm. but, yeah we, there, there would have been times like going back to your point there would have been times like we we take stuff from from other coaches and 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 try and spread the message uh through their quotes i suppose to, to the rest very good a uh, question two what's the best sporting event you've been to even though I'm a big GAA head, I have to say it was Man United in Barcelona um, in Old Trafford. It was in a Champions League semi-final um, and you would have had uh, Ronaldo versus Messi and I was in Old Trafford. Uh, Paul Scholes scored an absolute screamer and uh, it was nil-nil from the first leg in the new camp and it was just on such a, a, a tender, it was on tender hooks as in like it was 1-0 in the last few minutes and then if, if, if Barcelona scored they would have been true in away goals. So it was really so tense and so nervous. But I never forget when, when the final whistle went and they were into the Champions League final. The stadium actually shook. You know, <laughs> feel the stadium shaking. It was it was in, it was it was crazy. Like yeah. um, I love the Dublin and Mayo games as well now and, and, and the Dublin Kerry games. They were, they were really good. I I, I love those. But yeah. but and United Barcelona was something else, you know, I have to say. Brilliant. What's been the biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it? I actually, I busted up my knee. The last year I played, I busted my knee and, and it, it finished me. Um, I had to I had to get an operation and the doctor just said, like, you won't be playing anymore. I, I was probably, <laughs> I probably should have finished about five years before. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's, I, I found that fairly devastating. Like he said, like, oh, you won't be, you won't be running. You won't be playing any five aside or anything like that. Wow, geez, you did a good. You did a good job of it then. I did, yeah, I did. I did a really bad job in it. Probably need another couple of operations soon enough. But anyway, 
I, I, I just thought I was listening to your podcast a couple of weeks ago when Jenny was saying like about um, Jenny Cody was saying about like, you know, like players can't be just footballers or whatever. You know, I thought I thought I thought that was a really good point in that, you know, like um, I was kind of wondering like what the hell am I going to do with myself now? Like I can't kick a ball around anymore, like or I won't even be playing five aside now, like what am I gonna do with myself? But like I think it's important then for players to realise like, you know, like it could be over like you know, like that or whatever. And to have another interest in I, I suppose that's probably another reason why why I got into coaching, like I, I couldn't play anymore and it kind of kept me involved in the game as well, you know. Yeah. That's actually, you've heard, heard a couple of the episodes, you've probably heard me speak about it, but injury is the reason why I did this. Like, there's always something else you can do. It's This this is keeping me involved in a completely different way, even to coaching, and I'm, well, I'm attempting to play. And the, it, emphasis on attempting, I'm not really playing much. But um, it just shows, like, you know, there's always something else, and I really like the way you spoke about it there, is kind of, you know, that seemed to be the injury kind of really threw you into coaching. Yeah, yeah, it, re- it, it did, it did. And, and straight away, like Paul, Paul, the head coach of me, he was on to me straight away after, you know, like, give up that football and <laughs> no way back for you now. Like, you make <laughs> Brilliant. What's been your biggest achievement so far on or off the pitch? And I think I already know the answer to this, but. Yeah. On the pitch, I think, you know, the answer. Yeah, it's probably our own. Um, off the pitch, I have to give credit to my, my, my great wife, who I met when I was 16. I'm 39 now, so I met mm-hmm. her. When we were in school and by absolute miracle i managed to keep her by, by <laughs> i don't know how she put up, puts up with me going up to mead and uh, <laughs> endless nights out and uh yeah she's the real re- champion yeah oh damn well yeah i've often, <laughs> often been told and punching above me weight so yeah <laughs> brilliant looking back what advice would you give your 18 year old self uh not to be so focused on on just the, the winning or the outcome Okay. Uh, I, I like I would, I would have played a long time with my club I think I gave, I gave up about five years ago so I'd say about 34 I gave up but I started when I was 16 so I was playing all that length and I, I can honestly say like all the years I thought the only success was if we, if we won at the end of the year that's such a horrible way to think of it now when I look back I'm almost ashamed and I even remember doing my level one and uh, I remember the tutor was saying, like, oh, there's so much more to sport and there's, like, uh, you can get so much out of it, but not, not just, like, winning games. And he said, does anyone else feel like that? And, like, I, I was still in my 20s, but I was looking around and I was thinking, like, no, like, like I have to win. Like, I have to win. Like, everything, if I don't win, like, this is wow. a, a, an unsuccessful year. But it couldn't be further from the truth. And, and as I got older, like, I... I, I realized how how silly i was and and how um you know like there's so much more to support like the the camaraderie and the spirit the community spirit that clubs can bring and and the social element and the friends you make and 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 the challenges of course like Mm -hmm. trying to compete with the best etc that's a big part of it too and yeah, so like I would have beat myself up. I remember like games like you could lose a game and i remember not getting out of bed the next day i was so disappointed I suppose that when you're that age, you kind of put that to, to, to the front of your life. And as you get older, you realise, like, you know, there's more important things in, in life than just the results. So. Mm. It's nearly been a permanent fixture on the podcast as well in terms of questions. But what would be your personal definition of success then, seeing as it's really evolved then? Um, uh, I, I'd, I'd say my definition of success, uh, probably constantly uh, 
trying to constantly trying to be the best version of yourself. You know, and, and, and I think half of the battle is in that challenge. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, the, the, the journey of, of trying to be the best version of yourself rather than, you know, the outcome, you know, like enjoying all the parts that, that make up being the best version of yourself. Like, you know, like you're obviously going up to train and meet friends at training and enjoying uh, the, the, the discipline that, 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 that uh, elite sport would bring to your life. Um, yeah, just just all the different components that make up the journey. I think you, you kind of need to stop and appreciate every one of them because they're the real reason you're playing. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's not. It's it, and and you know, it's great. It's great to have won something to be able to say this. You know, like <laughs> you wouldn't have said this twelve months ago. <laughs> no, and I would have said I would have thought maybe five years ago if somebody said that. Oh, you know, like it's all about the journey. And I'm saying to myself, oh god, that's that's only because he hasn't won. And I'm. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm not saying this is the only way to the top not the only way to the top like uh, um you know some some managers are really cutthroat and you know like very much to the point and um like i, I, I wouldn't say we're that way at all but but it just goes to show like you know you, you don't have to be you don't have to be that way to be successful mm-hmm. you know, uh, you don't have to be banging tables you don't have to feel under pressure you don't have to be so cutthroat and there's there's other ways of winning. Brilliant. Uh, who would be your dream dinner guest and why? And you can open up the table to a few people if you want. I I I would be perfectly happy with my family and my friends. I I I met some great friends along the way through football and other things, and you know I'd be perfectly happy with all them. More than happy, it'd be great. But if I was to pick one one sporting person, I'd probably go with uh, I'd probably go with Johnny Wilkinson. I really I I, I don't know did you. I did. Yeah, um, you heard his, his, his podcast and the high performance. Well, I, th- I thought that was absolutely brilliant. You know, I really yeah. did. And, and I think there's a kind of, uh, you have to be impressed with the way he, like, he's been there, he's done it, he's scaled the heights. And and it also seems like he's, he's like, really gone into the, the kind of knowledge part for their understanding, why he felt the way he did. Like, he's done his research and that. So it's, it's, it's experience and it's, learnings if you get me research and learnings and and the combination of that like uh i i would have shared with a couple of players and it's very much black and white as well like i would have shared with a couple of players and i'd say like i oh, have listened to this and some of them like <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't even respond I'd say, that was it they wouldn't respond and another that was one of my friends that he's, he's uh coaches coaching my under 20s maybe this year but he, he said he nearly crashed his car when he listened to <laughs> that's the, that's the kind of uh podcast I suppose but it had a, it had a, it had a big effect on me now, I have to say yeah god it was phenomenal I, I listened to it in full and I've now listened back in parts and I still just can't get over some of the stuff he said like I was going to even ask you there what was you know was there a particular big takeaway but even as I'm thinking about it I was like oh, I had about seven and that's only me oh, going yeah. dissecting yeah. it now yeah, and, and and you know what? And this is this is often the way of a podcast or, or things you read. Like, we'll say like you listen to it, and then it's there. You go off in tangents in your own head and get your own ideas off that. Then you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, so I, I and I and I often write down like what what I learned in, in podcasts. You might be able to see here all these <laughs> all these musings from from all my, my podcasts. I write it down, but um, yeah. I, I, 
you could go off in tangents then from this and start developing your own ideas and, and you know, your own theories and things and the way the way the world works. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to mention briefly his um, part about potential I thought was really interesting and it reminded me a little bit of, of you guys in terms of, you know, if you had walked into the room, as he says, and, you know, I'd asked you, what's the potential of this, you know, me ladies team? And you said, well, you know, I don't, you know, what, what was he saying? Like, when you don't really know, that that's when you're onto something. You know, that yeah. thinking of it now, like, that was kind of the reminder of, of your team. Definitely. And, and, and the way he talked about, like, you know, there's no ceiling and stuff like that. You know, like, it would have been something now that I would have touched on with a couple of players uh, since the other. And, like, a lot of players would have kind of felt a void or, you know, like, where, where do I go now? Like, you know, like, okay. ailing what's the biggest uh, task or for a player, I suppose you could, you could call it. And they were, where will I go now? But like, you, you think, you, you get loads of examples in sport, like why do Kenny Hurlers keep coming back or Cork ladies or Dublin ladies or Dublin lads? Like, it's 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 not, and, and it's another example, it's not just to win. Like, it's, it's, um, it's more than that. And it's, it's a challenge of it all. And, you know, that kind of constant train that's on a journey and it never stops. And there's never a ceiling on where it stops either. Like, you know, like I could say to you, like, you won in Ireland, but you, you know, like, you're not good in your left foot. Like, and mm-hmm. then you start, hey, here's my next challenge. And, you know, there's always a challenge on to that. You're, ne- you're never going to reach, you're never going to reach. It's a, it's a never ending journey to reach uh, your potential. Exactly. A final question before I let you go. Uh, you've been so generous with your time. Uh, if your life was a book, what chapter would this be called? I was I was really flummoxed with this. And I'd heard I'd heard you ask a good few times to other people. And I was just like, I don't know what to say there. <laughs> but I'm going to say I was a novice. And, and uh, I like to think of uh, the mindset you have when you're approaching something as a novice. And I know we spoke about it earlier, but like that, that whole kind of freshness that, that that it brings and even Johnny Wilkinson spoke about you know when he was 18 and, and he came on and he was so thankful for the, the 15 minutes he got in his debut or the half an hour he got in his debut and, and, and he was just so full of energy and, and uh, you know wanted to learn and he was so into it and it was such a buzz and, and I, I think being a novice or, or, or being in that situation where you, where you want to learn so much uh, I think that's the, the spot to be love that and um, just briefly before we wrap it up johnny cooper actually spoke about that with his be unrivaled page it was um you know always align your behaviors with day one day two is when complacency sets in and that what you said there just reminded me of that but look thank you so much shane for coming on i absolutely love this very best of luck next year uh, with me with with everything and thank you so much again for your time thanks very much orla thanks very much for having me on take care thank you to Shane for joining me on the podcast today this episode was recorded a number of weeks ago before the little 2022 league campaign I hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did get something from it be sure to let both of us know if you are enjoying the podcast series I really appreciate if you leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it really does help the show grow thanks to Chinup Goggles for sponsoring the series and to you for listening